Southern Queries. I'm India Bastien. And I'm Aubrey Calvin. Together we explore being a part of the LGBTQ community in the South. A quick note on terminology. On this show, we let guests identify in the best way they're comfortable with. Some of the terms or topics might be different, new, or uncomfortable to you. That discomfort is part of what we're exploring together. We encourage you to listen with an open heart and continue these discussions with your larger community. We encourage any meaningful and politeful feedback. Thanks, and welcome to Southern Queries. Hi all, this is Aubrey. We're excited to bring this conversation we had with Mr. Jess McDowell. Jess is the media director at Cathedral of Hope United Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas, the largest LGBTQ plus church in the world. He is also a production associate with the world-renowned Turtle Creek Chorale, a predominantly gay men's chorus. With the chorale, Jess is also a former singer and board member. And if that weren't enough, Jess can bake cookies, cakes, breads, everything that your personal trainer wants you to stay away from. We hope you enjoy this conversation that we had with him. There. Hi, Jess. Let's talk. <laughs> Hi, Aubrey. Hi, India. How are y'all? Good. How are you? We're good. <laughs> I'm, you know, all things considered, I'm, I'm great. You know, I'm like, I, I'm one day away from vacation. I leave tomorrow and I am so looking forward to a little bit of time off. <laughs> Where are you um, going on vacation? Um, I'm going to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Ooh, fun. Yes. Um, side question on your vacation. Have you ever been to Sayulita? No, I have not. Okay. It's only 20 minutes outside of Puerto Vallarta. I highly recommend. It's a very Ooh. European town. Mm. Um, very beautiful men and women there. Like, holy moly. But the beaches there are golden and black. Um, so really good restaurant I will, get a chance take a cab there it's cheap do it it's yeah awesome. i will because i love i love a european style city that's like, you know, yeah i'll email it to you so you remember fabulous fabulous <laughs> and so can you tell us how you identify and why is that identity important to you oh and also just for our use and for the show what pronouns do you use Sure. So my pronouns are he, him, his. I identify as a cisgender male, um, born and raised in Texas. Um, I, I hide the accent a little bit because, you know, when I talk like this, people want to deduct 100 IQ points. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I somewhere along the line, I learned to speak this way. But every time I every time I go home, I kind of slip back into my drawl. You know, LBJ had a trick like that where he used to use his southern accent and people would underestimate him. And then he would overwhelm him with how smart he was. So I understand that. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was raised around in that area where LBJ grew up. So, yeah, I know I, I know of that legend. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Sometimes I wish I had a like a Sofia Vergara accent. So people would actually believe me that I'm Mexican. <laughs> it's like, you're, you, you, are you from Mexico? No. no. Right. And then I'm like, do I have to talk like this in order to, for you to understand? I don't have an okay. accent, but when people, when I talk, people think I'm white. So I totally, you know, <laughs> Words are a funny thing, and pronunciation's a funny thing. So. They are. It's all based upon your region and where yeah, you're from. So people seem to think I'm white when I talk, but that's a whole nother thing. Right? The so, whole so of the Jess, podcast. Right? <laughs> so, Jess, can you tell us about your coming out story, and obviously, how does it incorporate in the South? Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> so... Uh, I did not come out until I was 23 years old. Mm. I was a, oh, I don't remember, but I was at Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene, Texas, which is a, 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 a church university affiliated with the Baptist General Convention. So you can imagine um, uh, that experience in and of itself. Um, I, I, I like to say that, you know, I met some absolutely amazing, 
wonderful, caring people at Hardin Simmons University. Um, but the university just wasn't quite what I needed at that point in time. And so um, through many, um, <laughs> through many, um, oh, I did it, through many events that happened, shall we say, um, and, and uh, right about the time that I was coming out, um, both of my grandparents had been diagnosed with cancer um, mm-hmm. the, uh, that, that I was raised across the street from um, oh, on the ranch. So and harsh. so, so yeah, when you have, when you have that, you're coming to terms with your sexuality, your grandparents are both have cancer at Oof. the same time. That was my, you know, you know what, oh. I think I'm going to take a little time off from school right now. Yeah. And, 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 and that's not what I told my parents. I was just like, I don't think I need to be here right now. So I moved to, so after that, I moved to San Antonio and that's really where um, uh, I came into, I guess, started rediscovering myself. You know, everybody has that period where you like, okay, you're freshly out and all of a sudden you have to learn yourself all over again. Mm-hmm. And so that my, I like to say my teeth cutting was in San Antonio. Um, that was for three years and just worked down there and um, lived and discovered kind of really who I was. And, and then really, and then about three years later is when I finally moved um, to Dallas because I had just a few more friends up here in Dallas from Abilene, from college and all that other stuff. And um uh, Dallas is really where I think I really grew up, yeah, really absolutely. where I uh, um, came in, came into my own and realized what I was, what I was supposed to be doing with my life. So, and so, and, you know, I've been to Hardin Simmons, uh, friend, my college friend, his dad graduated from there. So mm. we did a college road trip to Hardin Simmons and it's very beautiful. But mm. it is Baptist. And so were you raised Baptist as well? Or did you no. just, it's because it's close to San Saba? No, I, so it, kind of an interesting story. So I was actually, I started um, uh, going to church with my grandparents, which was Church of Christ. Mm, okay. okay. So yeah, that the, the whole no music in church, everything sung a cappella type Church of Christ. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, then um, in high school, um, I started g- going with my parents to the Methodist church. So I was in a Methodist and then, yeah, I ended up at Hardin Simmons because of the music program. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that that's the whole reason that I, that I was going there is because they had a, what I thought was a, and it was at the time, a very, very good small school music program. Um, and so I, I wanted that, I kind of wanted to keep that small mentality because mm-hmm. me being from a town of 2000, going to a college of like 40 or 50,000 was going, what, yeah, this, this small boy, that was not going to work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what attracted me to Hardin Simmons. Um, uh, so my dad made the joke always is like, uh, that I was a Methodist doing missionary work on the Baptist campus so <laughs> like no dad not 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 the way it works not the way it works so jess um what is turtle creek corral and how did you get involved with it so turtle creek corral is um a predominantly gay men's chorus and i use the word predominantly for re- because we do have straight members that are in and involved and have for several years oh really um, but, i didn't know yeah that. Yes, so we so we we have to predominantly gay men's chorus in Dallas, Texas. We are the most recorded men's chorus in the world, with forty albums to our name, wow. two Grammy nominations, two Emmy nominations. The Emmy nominations were for two documentaries. One was called "When We No Longer Touch," based upon the AIDS crisis and how that was going and happening we uh, as we like to say we there's it's there's no other sound like it on earth yeah yeah and we will uh put links to that when we no longer touch into yes. the show notes so that people mm-hmm. can and you actually streamed on amazon music and i was listening to it uh, mm. before we started yeah, yeah. it's I've pretty seen you, I, i've seen the turtle creek corral live um 
I did I went to go see you all for a Christmas show and then there was a all women's chorale. Women's course of Dallas, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a lovely show. Um, obviously I went with Allison and mm-hmm. um we geeked out on all the music things. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky, and that was actually that was actually part of the reason what brought me back, what what brought me up to Dallas is that I had a very good friend from college that was singing in Turtle Creek Chorale um, and also going to college uh, at the same time, and he was like, uh, William at the time was like, Jess, just come sit in. I was like, No, I'm gonna need to focus on school. I need to do that. Blah blah blah. He's like, Jess, just come to one rehearsal, and if you don't like it or you, you're not in love with it, then I will respect that. Yeah, I went to one rehearsal and I was hooked. I was- You've been involved with the TCC for a while. Yeah, so this is, oh, hang on, um, 12 years? Oh, wow. Yeah, 11 something, yeah, two, no, no, 12 years, 2008, fall of 2008, so okay. yeah. And as you noted earlier in our pre-conversation, you no longer sing, but you, do jump in every once in a while. So what do you do with them? So I'm the production uh, director is my official title. Um, The other official title is official cat herder um, for our (laughs) stage productions. Um, So if I I handle all the musicians uh, and and music, like, you know, uh, our drums, our bass, any of the ancillary musicians that we hire for the actual show, Um, I handle staging, I handle sets, I handle props, I handle stagehands, um, uh, and I'm the liaison between the um, house staff at the facility and Mm -hmm. what happens uh, backstage and things like that. So um, there's there's a lot that goes on because a Turtle Creek Corral show is not just a park and bark show. Um, we are going to make you laugh, we're going to make you cry, and we're going to touch your heart in some way. And we use a lot of different mediums to do that. So it's 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 kind of a Broadway show, but it's 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 everything. It's a little bit of everything. And there's a lot of you. I can't imagine how much two hundred and fifty singers. So wow. when I say cat herder, I mean it. <laughs> it's all try to, get, try to get them all up on stage. They're like, okay, you exit here and you exit here. And then you all need to leave for this to go change for your dance number. So you can come out, you know, it's, it's all kinds of logistics like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so Turtle Creek Corral has been around for 40 years. Yes. How does, and, we, and, I, and, I've, and I've, when we've talked to a few other guests that have been involved in chorus type shows how does chorus music or this idea of a gay men's chorale fit into queer culture you know back when the you know the 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 story of of queer choirs is a little you know because it all started with harvey milk the assassination of harvey milk Mm -hmm. so with the assassination of harvey milk you know a group of guys got together in san francisco and they sang for his funeral. And that was kind of the first, at one of the vigils. And so that was the formation of, in that time, the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is what we call the granddaddy of, 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 of queer choruses. Granddaddy, uh, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and then they went out a couple of years <laughs> later and did this whole tour around the nation and one of the stop and so that's what sparked a lot of the queer choirs that are in and around the united states now and one of those stops was dallas and so that's when uh, a couple of guys got together and really and and created the choir they were in a they were in a bar room and they said we want to do this we want it because uh, for a lot of people and especially what it was for me I think what it still is now um, is kind of what it was in there. It was a chance for people to come together and to not wear the and f- not wear a mask and feel like they were in fact fe- they could be completely themselves for that two hour rehearsal period, mm-hmm. you know, and and be completely authentic to themselves and not have to worry about what the world is thinking about them on the inside. Now that's evolved obviously in the last, you know, because, you know, marriage equality and everything else like that. But I still think at the heart of it, there is that sense of family, that sense of belonging 
because we still have members. We still have members today that join us, you know, that are like, I just divorced from my wife. I finally came to terms with my sexuality. You know, I hear it all the time in the audition room of why why are they here for Turtle Creek Corral? And a lot of it is they need a sense of family. They need a sense of community. And they they and they have a gift that they want to bring to the world. And it's a it's a win-win. We get a great singer, they get something that they need, support and love. I don't know about you, Jess, um, or you, Aubrey, but I find singing incredibly healing. And there's even studies that they've done, and I'll have to find like official ones so you guys can fact check me, but on how groups of men or women getting together to sing can be a very healing thing to do because it clicks off endorphins. Um, and it also brings such a sense of community because you have to harmonize together. Um, for me, I've like always just feel like I walk out of listening to chorales on a cloud, but maybe it's because I love music. <laughs> yeah, and that, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that, that there are studies out there. I know they're out there. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but, but yeah, I mean, there, there are times that, I mean, and especially that, I think that's probably why a lot of the choir guys are so like, we know in this time of COVID, you know, we haven't been able to gather together in order to sing because singing is kind of the quote unquote fire breathing, fire breathing dragon of COVID. And, you know, yeah. that's it, you know, six feet is the appropriate distance right now. If you're just talking, if you're singing, it's actually 12 to 15 feet safely to be separated from everybody. Um, so we haven't been able to gather Um we're actually starting we're, we're we've been doing virtual rehearsals which is a very interesting <laughs> concept um uh for to get ready for an upcoming concert um but um yeah the, our, our our guys you know we've tried to engage and talk and still engage in the community but there is there is something about gathering together and singing and being around people you know and love yeah it's beautiful and in terms of that gathering, is that part of why you all started your new podcast? Because I know Turtle Creek has a new podcast called Offstage Concerts and Conversations. Is that a part of that sense of gathering or what's what's with that? Tell me more. Yeah, <laughs> Tell me yeah. about the podcast. So, so, the, so the podcast came about in, in, in a, you know, during COVID, you know, we had As no plans, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, um, the, the podcast came about of like, God, we really, we need to do something. We, we, you know, there are so many things happening. You know, when, when we, when the um, Pulse nightclub shooting happened in, in Orlando, you know, we were literally coming off of a concert run. Like the Pulse shooting happened on Saturday night. We had a Sunday matinee the very next day. Mm. Okay. We had to talk about, it in that concert that very meaningful concert already you know and then we felt so raw so you know attacked and, and and hurt that even three days after coming off that show in three days we pulled together a massive concert after that at cathedral of hope with that was literally standing room only and there were a ton of logistics to go through, but we literally, we went out of one show and in two days had the logistics music and everything down for the next show. It was, we had, but we had no idea we were going to do it until Monday. Yeah. So. Yeah. And what a great way to communicate though. The things that you guys are doing is through a podcast and then you'll be able to share some of the music, right? Yeah. And that was, actually, that was kind of singing on the podcast. You actually do singing on the podcast. Yes. And that's yeah. probably one of the, the things that, you know, we, we recognized that there were so many things happening in our nation and we had, we were able to respond to those in the past through let's do a concert. Let's do a, let's do a 24 hour sing in for our transgender siblings, you know, mm -hmm. um, and things along those lines. But we couldn't do that in COVID. No. And so and so it was like, well, what do we do? And so a podcast came about and we're like, wait a second, there's something here. This can be very unique. There's not a lot of podcasts that have singing on it, mm -mm. you know? So we it just kind of, like everything, it just kind of snowballed and snowballed. And lo and behold, we we got 
we, we got a podcast going, you know? So in our next, and our next one drops tomorrow. Um, and it's going to be about all of the, uh, it's going to be a two episode series, two episode. Um, we all recorded at the same time, but it's two episodes and it's all about racial injustice and equality in America right now. And how, how our turtle guys deal with it because like through music, you know, we, we talk about it, but then what does this song mean to you and how does it go? And so it's, it's, I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about this Avenue and this medium to explore it since we can't gather, since we can't gather otherwise. So I'm also curious to learn more about your work at Cathedral Hope. Um, I was doing a little bit of research and um, it's the largest LGBTQ friendly church in the world. Yes. Yes, it is. 4,000, roughly about 4,000 in the membership um, uh, was is uh, is celebrating its 50th year. So, you know, I kind of like I kind of like to say, you know, um, Cathedral of Hope was kind of doing gay marriage before gay marriage was cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, well, before well, before well, before, uh, you know, the Oberfeld decision or anything else along those lines, um, you know, and really kind of the one of the churches on the leading edge of um, um, uh, we call it vibrant, inclusive and progressive, progressive church. Mm. Um, and things like that, because, you know, at, at least for me growing up, you know, church was a big part um, of my life. And and really, once I left Hardin-Simmons, once I, 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 because I had some, I had some experiences at Hardin-Simmons that were, you know, not pleasant um, after I came out. And I, I didn't, I didn't expect to be back in the church, let alone working for one, you know? Yeah. It was it was crazy, and how and how this how this job came about was just was just crazy. It was because you're not a because you're not a minister, right? So what no, do you do I'm, there? So what do you do? So so I'm the media director. Um, okay. So I basically make sure that you know, just kind of like Turtle Crate Corral, I make sure that we have all of our. Um, our TV cameras, um, we're a full, um, what they call IMAG church. So we have video that goes along with everything we record. So we have a full production studio in the back, um, that with, uh, about four to five different cameras. And I have a team of about 30 volunteers and a little mixed in, um, paid staff that help me pull off a service every week. It's, it, it, think of it as a, as a small, I hate to say it, but it's a small show slash mm-hmm. service, of you know making sure things flow and everything sounds good and and then putting those services online i I kind of have two thoughts about this and one and the first one i'm going to say please don't be offended because Mm. you kind of remind me of my dad and you are considerably younger than my dad so i'm gonna (laughs) i've been told i was an old soul so not, not nothing new but you know, my dad in his church, he's in Oklahoma City, and mm. he is a behind the scenes kind of guy mm-hmm. where he doesn't need to be in front of the camera. He doesn't need to be the minister, but he does so much of the behind the scenes work. And you kind of remind me of that is that people don't realize how important the behind the scenes people are to get the show or the service that you see up and running. It, it, it we have a we have a phrase a that, that's a comment but sure no, go ahead. It, 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 no i i, I yeah. completely get it but yeah people don't people always recognize in a service or production when something goes wrong mm-hmm. they don't notice it when everything goes smoothly and my goal each sunday whether it be online or whether it be in in the, in the sanctuary is that if it was a seamless service and i don't get a hey what happened here or that if people just were able to enjoy the service then my job is done yeah you know? awesome so um, and then, okay okay so my other thing real quick india right yeah go okay. for it and so i was on the cathedral of hope uh, cathedral of hope website mm-hmm. and under staff you don't have a bio what's up with that um what's your bio my bio now <laughs> I, I don't know. Bio. Okay, full disclosure. I am not in charge of the website. Okay, get your bio up. There. Get People my need bio to know up about there. you. I know. I know. I know. I know. I will. I will. I will get it. I will contact my person and be like, "Hey, here's my bio. Go ahead and put it up." Because I probably I'm missed an email somewhere. Everyone yeah. else has a bio, but you. Oh, I'm, surely I'm not the only one. 
I'm on the site now. Okay, no, one other person. Thank I'm you. talking to you. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're talking but to me. So but okay. I'm talking to you. So let's yeah. get a bio up there. <laughs> so let's get a bio up there. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <to-do and> list. <laughs> Of all the important things right before you go on vacation. No, I'm just right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Services. I, I still got services to post. So well, yeah, that's no. going to be the main important. Okay. No, so I guess, Jess, my, my question is, um, and I, I think you would be such a good person to ask because you have both of these worlds um, mm. in your experience, but um, a lot of churches are not very LGBTQ friendly. And pre-COVID, I know that Turtle Creek did a lot of concerts, not only at the Cathedral of Hope, but in other Mm -hmm. churches. Do you think that churches who aren't predominantly accepting of queer people are open to gay corrals? And if so, I mean, do you think that's a good, like, like respectful bridge for people to gap? And more than anything, I want to hear your experiences with working with Turtle, uh, Turtle Creek Corral and touring with them or having conversations with other churches? Like, tell us more. So the short answer is yes. Um, there are churches out there that are not very welcoming to queer anything. Um, and probably the best example I can give of this is that a few years ago, Turtle Creek Corral did um, a something called the Friendship Tour. Mm. Um, and what it was is it was a tour to neighboring states, Oklahoma, Arkansas, uh, Louisiana, and Texas, to visit our neighbors and to be a and to and and to not go in and say this is how you should be. This, you know, you're wrong, you know, this stuff. It's that to go in there and to share beautiful music with people and say, guess what? We have more in common than we don't have in common. Okay. We, you know, and that was kind of the caveat of, of friendship tour. And we did all of those, all of those performances were in churches. Mm. All of them were in churches. So some of the, some of the, prettiest churches um tulsa was tulsa was beautiful stone gothic style um you know and and everything from the hot churches you know where you have to have a fan because it's just you know it's one thing when you have 200 it's one thing when you have 200 people in in a in a in a congregation but when you have 200 people up on stage and then you got 400 people actually in the congregation lining around you know um but, and then the lights. <laughs> and the, yeah, the lights, you get everything. But I mean, it was, it was a, I, I will say that, and you could ask any Turtle Creek Corral member that went on that tour, that was a life-changing tour, not just for the people that were sitting in the seats that maybe got a little bit of a glimpse of, wait, these people are just like me. But f- there were so many stories that came out of that, parents who had, never been to a concert of their son where he was out and open, you know, um, uh, I remember one of our members, um, in Tyler, you know, he, he, he's probably in his, you know, mid fifties and sixties and something like that. His parents were still alive. His parents had never been to any concert, been to any of his other, you know, events that he would help with or that he would invite them to. And they came to that concert and that convert and that concert opened up the conversation to where they could actually talk about who they were and what they were, who they were, really were not this mask that they had to put on when they go home um, and to not offend or ruffle feathers or anything else along those lines. So, yeah, that that tour was magical and amazing, and I well, want to do have, another one. I also wonder, you know, how much you guys touched maybe a young boy in the middle of Tyler who's never seen his own reflection and future, you know, right. and also see them being accepted by the church. And I know there's a lot of people, Allison included, who really swore off the church and didn't ever want to step back into a church, but found themselves back in a church through music. Mm-hmm. So I think the work that Turtle Creek Corral is doing is really beautiful. And um, yeah, I just had to ask of your experience. I was like, I know he's going to have a story in there somewhere. Yeah, there, there, there are so <laughs> many stories. 
the 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 nice thing about it was is that you know when we would when we would walk into a church we would get warmly greeted and you know we're you know we're glad you're here and, but you could always tell there was a little bit of reserve you know there's a little bit of something that yeah, I don't know about you guys what's going on by the end of the concert people were the staff at the churches were just gushing just gushing and going holy cow we it this has changed our lives you know and that's what we want we wanted to we wanted to change things for the better and not go in and pound on a pulpit and say you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong no we can come to middle ground and everything so something sure. we desperately need these days yeah <laughs> uh so just switching gears just a little bit I read online that you were a wedding DJ. Is that something you oh. still do? You, you're a wedding spinner, as Shallow's uh, voice called you. <laughs> oh my gosh, that article! <laughs> I remember that article. Oh, it's on the internet, it will come back to haunt you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm not not ashamed of that article. I stand no, by I everything it. that I, I said I in that article. It. Yeah, I... um, you know, um, but um, yes, I was a wedding DJ. Um, I I have not actively been doing it for a couple of years just because of time and, and what it manages because I was a very hands-on um I was like okay I want to know every I basically treated it like a production and I didn't know that I was doing that at the time but mm -hmm. I wanted to know everything to where that guests the guest and the, and especially the bride and groom the bride and bride or the groom and the groom or whoever um or did not have to worry about, oh, what is, is that DJ going to play Baby Got Back? I really don't want to, that to be played at my wedding, you know? Every so I took a very... That song. Oh, wedding. do they? Do they, though? <laughs> no, I, I didn't have a reception at my wedding, so we didn't do music at all, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, as I kind of joked, everyone, you know, you don't want someone to play All My Exes Live in Texas, you know? <laughs> Um, from George Strait, you I don't love want that song. I know, <laughs> but, not a, but not at a wedding. You wouldn't want exactly it at a not at a yeah, wedding. No. But it, you know, if you had an inexperienced DJ going in and they said somebody play country or hey play this, you know, somebody's a little inebriated. Hey, play this song. It's my favorite. But George they think Strait. they're being funny, and you're like, they that's think they're not being the funny, right and I'm venue. like, no, exactly. It can affect everything. So that's why you have to be kind of the mm -hmm. intermediary and to make sure that that wedding is both everything to the couple and both everything to the guests and, so and with before the the and i always play this wrong before the uh Obergefell decision mm. where the supreme court extended same-sex marriage to you know every marriage to everybody uh, were there any emotions about maybe doing weddings with a bride and a groom heterosexual couple with it being an institution that we weren't allowed to join because I think about this a lot, you know, you see a lot of wedding movies and you hear about a lot of wedding planners and frequently the florist might be gay or the wedding planner or a mm -hmm. movie might have that stereotypical effeminate gay wedding planner. And in all of these movies, that person cannot get married, but they're supposed to plan these lavish events for the straight couple. Did you have any emotions related to that? Yeah, there. I, I can I can often think uh, there were definitely things that I got from doing that of, well, I know if this ever happens for me, if I'm ever getting married, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this, <laughs> you know, um, there would be moments on the drive home late at night, you know, from wherever I was coming in, whatever, whatever country club or whatever venue or whatever that I'm like, maybe one of these days it'll happen. But, but I, 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 I never really, thought about that I, I guess at that point in time that's an amazing question um you know i'm still single so mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, i haven't met the and, and i always say that you know do you hear that guys he is still <laughs> single <laughs> and if you want to get in touch with jess give give contact us we'll give him your number we're gonna vet you first to make sure our boy just doesn't end up with anybody bad. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I was gonna say I have a form, online form that they can fill out, but um please but, send pictures too. Yeah, yes, <laughs> you know, preferred. Um but but it, nothing that uh, I, always I guess there was there was always a longing for someday, one day, this will this will I will this will be able to happen. I think it was just a matter of time. 
Um, and I think I was always hopeful at some point in time, because even back when I was in high school, when I, you know, the one dream that didn't change for me, I think, is the fact that I wanted kids mm-hmm. with who, whomever, whomever my partner or significant other ends up being, you know, and that'll be something that, you know, obviously, whoever that lucky person is, um, he and I will, he and I will discuss, but, you know, I, I, I still want kids and I don't think it's too late for me. So Jess, um, I have to ask. Mm. Do you have a favorite performance? And did you meet Idina Menzel? Ah, okay. So, okay. Uh, favorite performance from the chorale? Yes. There was what there's. There are so many that stand out. Okay. You know, there, three. Huh? <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's the thing. So there was the um, performance in. Uh, Barcelona, Spain, at the end of the Cotillion Music Educators Conference in a stunning Gothic cathedral that has no air conditioning. And at intermission, the turtles have to take off. We have to take off our jackets. This is when I was still singing. (laughs) Off our jackets. But doing the Beeble Ave Maria, which if anybody is familiar with that piece, it is it is uh, the Beeble Ave Maria in that gorgeous Gothic cathedral. And all of a sudden, in the middle of it, the church chimes just happen to go off at exactly the right fourth, at, at the beginning of the fourth verse as wow. we start. I, I, you know, I still get goosebumps just thinking about that moment, that trip itself. I mean... But it all kind of led up to that moment. And then got then, of course, there was, you know, we've we've had tons of I've sung with tons of people on stage, every from everybody from Jennifer Holiday, Joan Rivers, who was my very first concert with Turtle Creek Chorale. We <gasps> did a first half set of singing, and she came on and did the second half of comedy. I've oh, never wow. laughed so hard in my entire life. Wow. So, like just and and the, and then you have you know, but uh, believe it or not, a my one of my top all time favorites was somebody who I never really had and I knew of but I didn't know was Sandy Patty. Sandy Patty, Sandy contemporary, Patty? a a megastar in Christian music. Okay. Okay. If you if you are, have any knowledge, I mean, numerous Dove awards to her name all over the place. She's still touring, still performing, but probably one of the absolute most amazing concerts for me personally. Okay. Was Sandy Patty with Turtle Creek Chorale. Okay. First of all, that Sandy Patty is performing with Turtle Creek Chorale was, I mean, we got all kinds of flack for that. Let me tell you. <laughs> really. But, uh, be, because the other 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 people in other courses were like, "Why are you performing with this person who you know doesn't support you?" Well, mm-hmm. if she didn't support us, she wouldn't be on stage with us, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it it was probably singing. We were in rehearsal, and we walked in, and she walked in in rehearsal in these beautiful sparkly shoes. And you know, gay men and shoes—they are gonna get called out. And she just one one my good friend Dustin called out and said, "Love those shoes, honey." And she's like, "Thanks," you know. So she she had some, you know. And from there, it was that was one of the first interactions we had with her. And from there, we were just, I mean, we, everybody was just at ease. We knew this was going to be so much fun. But this, in spite of everything. The amazing performance, the singing on stage with her, some of the most amazing Broadway and, uh, you know, some gospel t- stuff as well and things like that. The thing that probably sticks out most in my mind about that concert is that she stayed after the after the dress rehearsal, before the concert, she stayed after the dress rehearsal and greeted every single person that wanted to get an autograph, speak, shake hands, get a picture, whatever. And there were a lot of people that stayed. We're probably, I mean, and I was one of the last ones through because I was, I was helping with other stuff, but she stayed for every single one of those people. A hundred and maybe somewhere in the neighborhood, 175 to 200 guys that were saying this concert. She stayed for every single one of them. Yeah. 
And that's amazing. It, it's people so like honorable. that. They're like, yeah, you don't get that. You don't now. Don't get me wrong. Idina Menzel was, oh, that that's up there too. That is up there too. But that that sticks out in my mind. Idina Menzel was absolutely amazing. I did not get to meet her because oh. I was running. Yeah. You were busy. You were running. You're doing the job. I, that, yes. <laughs> that, and <laughs> that night, I was running around doing doing a job, let me yes. tell you. Um, but I, I did, but that's the thing. She, just like Sandy Patty, was just as genuine, just as nice. She came into our dress rehearsal um, there, and we were only supposed to do two songs and we started singing. And after the first song, she's like, Oh, y'all are good. We're going to do another song here. Y'all, we're going to, and she, and she added another song. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It was just incredible. So I've been very lucky that, you know, we have had some amazing guest artists and there are some wonderful people out there that are, that are in this business. Oh, that's amazing. Because, you know, you mentioned um, Sandy Patty. Mm. And I have to admit, I didn't know who she was, but I grew up with more Black gospel singers. Yeah. And she's white. Um, mm-hmm. And I know she doesn't tour anymore, so maybe there's a generational thing there. But Probably, um, yeah. In terms of chorale music, chorus music, mm-hmm. um, we've had a, other guests who have done drag performances we've mm-hmm. had a couple of guests that do nightclubs and are more youtube dance pop oriented guests or singers performers yeah is there a generational split like are there a lot of younger gay men that are still auditioning for the turtle creek corral or have most of the gay men kind of veered towards more youtube nightlife no, I, I want to say that I don't think there is a, a gap because I think I, I think it's I think I, I think like everything, it's evolving with time, you know? Yeah. And and I, I think what still is attractive about Turtle Creek Corral um is the is the fact that um it's the fact that we're community we're we're family dysfunctional and not you know i mean we're we're family and but we're the family that doesn't judge you and and yeah. really the same thing for cathedral of hope you know we're we're, we're family you know um i've been to cathedral know. of hope services a couple of times actually oh good i felt so welcome so warm it was when i was first coming out mm-hmm. and i was still trying to figure out what does it mean to be trans how do i fit into the uh, queer community and I was living in Frisco. Yeah. So I could drive down into Dallas and it was so great. I just, you know, didn't want to drive anywhere. I, um, <laughs> I'm just lazy. Well, but when I went promotion, to the promotional for a plug, of times, it was so great. Promotional plug, you can watch us online Sundays at eleven o'clock. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> see, that was good. Yes. Yeah. And I will do that. I will check yeah. it out. I will check um, it out. See? Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's. I think I think what people in this time, it, even pre-COVID, before we were separated by everything, people still crave connection mm. and genuine, authentic connection. I think. I think on some level, you you feel when a connection is inauthentic or it's not totally there, and I don't think you you as a person stick around to an organization or a. Or or a, or, a, or a church or whatever, if 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 things aren't genuine, you know, and that's and that's a that's a thing that I, I'm really lucky and that I work for two organizations that are genuine and are just want to do good in this world and make it a better place to live in. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And Jess, thank you so much for coming onto the show to talk to us about this because I knew that you had such good connections on both of those places. And part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is because we want to connect with Southern gay people out there. So I was like, well, what other Southern gay things are there within the South? And Turtle Creek Corral popped first thing to my head because I was like, wow, they're like really well known. They're practically only 30 minutes away from us. We've mm-hmm. got to talk to someone. Um, I have a couple more questions and I know sure. I have a couple more questions, but I also want to be respectful of your time. 
I, I got all the time in the world. <laughs> um, I do want to ask you one of our like main questions that we have um, for all of our guests. And then um, I have a couple more questions after that, but I want to sure. get that before I forget. What does it mean being queer in the South for you? And why do you think it's important that we talk about it? Oh, that's a good question. You know, because the with the world gets is with with the advent of technology and everything else like that, the world's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so it's not such a big thing, you know, queer people are everywhere, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're here, we're queer. Um, but I, I think the, I think the thing about Southern queer people is that if, if you, if you're, if you're like me and you were raised, you know, in, in, in central Texas, um, I'll, 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 I'll call central Texas. There's a, I think there's still some, at least the way I was raised is there's a, there's a respect you know, that you don't, you aren't as maybe brazen um, and forward. You you kind of step back and go, let me examine this situation first. Or as, as uh, you know, let me, let me see what's going on. Or as my, uh, as my dad would say, and oh, hang on, can I cuss on this? Yeah. <laughs> okay. As my dad would say, don't let your alligator mouth overload your hummingbird ass. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, you, you, you got to think before you, you just take that in. Okay. Yeah, like, okay, okay. Yeah. See, Don't I let see. your alligator mouth overload your hummingbird ass. Yeah, I see. <laughs> and, and you, you just, you know, I think, so I think, I think as a Southern queer person, I think that um, we maybe take a step back, aren't as in your face when we but we will when we need to be yeah you know? <laughs> true yeah true. <laughs> you know um so i i think I, I love i love this that we're getting to explore that we we might be you know and i'm sure there are different all over the but i think a southern queer person is kind of uh, is going to have a very unique perspective on things because we were raised within deep deep religious surroundings whether you're religious or not it's still it kind of it surrounds us yes yeah it permeates it permeates in and those values and those you know treat treat others as you want to be treated you know things along those lines i think in some way get into everybody um born in the south and so i think that's i think that's a big thing um and so i yeah that's kind of where i'm went with that yeah i love that it's awesome Thanks so much for being on the show, Jess. You can find more about Turtle Creek Corral at turtlecreekcorral.com. Their podcast is called Offstage, Concerts and Conversations. You can learn more about Cathedral of Hope at cathedralofhope.com. We have an extended version of the show with a longer conversation with Jess available on our Patreon channel. We'll be back with our last episode of 2020 in a few days. Because we talked to Jess about the Cathedral of Hope and Turtle Creek Corral, we're going to end the show with music from a collaborative rendition of Beautiful City that the two organizations performed together virtually in May. And if you're still in a holiday mood, I'd also like to encourage you to head to the TCC YouTube channel and watch their 2019 performance, 40 Years of Fa La La. And just a reminder, all of the previous sermons and Worship videos from Cathedral of Hope are available on their website as well. Southern Queries is written and edited by Aubrey Calvin and India Bastian. Social media, merchandise, and all things digital, including our art design, are managed by India, and Aubrey is in charge of show research and the administrative functions. Our theme song is mixed by Allison Holly. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next time.
Shattered and your faith. 